A pleasant surprise before the Bengals' first preseason game, Joe Burrow videoed throwing, running on the field at Paycor Stadium. Plus, there was a game, and there are some takeaways we should get to from the Bengals' first preseason game. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host Jake Lisko. He's your host James Rapine. The Bengals have completed their first preseason game and we'll talk about that but more importantly we'll talk about what Joe Burrow did before that preseason game on this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast that you're listening to on the Lockdown Podcast Network where we cover your team every day and you can subscribe to this podcast on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts and that makes it really easy to become a first listener, making us your first listen every day on your way to work while you're at the gym or walking the dog and to become an everydayer as we'll have you covered throughout the preseason, throughout the regular season with the latest on the Cincinnati Bengals. And today's episode brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL terms and conditions apply. And James, the big news of the day really has nothing to do with the game which is the reason we're recording this episode. Joe Burrow out on the field at Paycor Stadium, throwing, doing dropbacks, running, Mm -hmm. no sleeve on that leg, no visible issue with that right calf. Incredibly promising for anyone that was concerned with the Jamar Chase quote or this or that or what degree of sprain it was. Looks like things are going in the right direction, as we expected is going in the right direction for sure. And it, it's weird. This whole thing has gotten weird. And so here's here's why I think Joe Burrow went out there. He saw the noise and he'll downplay that, but I think he's aware of it and they're they're aware of it as in players are aware of it. And so the way Jamar Chase's words got twisted by some and by some, I mean some, and the way Zach Taylor's words earlier this week got twisted where he gave us no update. We were in there, Jake, both of us. were. He, he said, yeah, it's several weeks from when I said several weeks. Guess what that means? Absolutely nothing. And yet there were articles written saying that Zach Taylor said Burrow's still several weeks away. So you know what I think? I think that this was Joe Burrow saying, all right, I'm already throwing and going through this, and they didn't know that. And I confirmed with Zach Taylor after, and he, he said a very low yeah, because I kind of had him in a <laughs> – a corner. I was like, so he's been throwing, huh? That's not his first time throwing. You got to admit he's been throwing because you don't want to say, oh, no, that's the first time. And so the fact that he has been throwing no sleeve, I think is very interesting to me because there was no clear bruising, no obvious bruising. The Bengals posted a picture of him. Uh, Bridget, um, I think it was Condon from uh, NFL Network, posted a video and focused on his calves I didn't see any bruising, any discoloration, any anything. And so I think Burrow is on track for week one. That doesn't mean that he's going to practice this week. In fact, I don't think he should practice this week because this is kind of the path. Remember when we had Brandon Bowers on and he said, look, you feel good. And I've talked to people that have had calf strains. You feel good and you're ready to go. 
and then it re aggravates it. So I think he feels great right now. That doesn't mean he should be full go. And, and I don't think he will be. I think in, it, it'll honestly probably be another few weeks before we see Burrow back on the practice field. And that is a okay with me because this dude throwing 50 yard bombs and, and he, on the sidelines, he was standing and, and hanging out. He had an earpiece in uh, at least Jesse told me she saw him doing this little tap tiptoe dance, looking comfortable with his, with his calf. So, I think he feels fine. He went through that entire workout and then stood on the sideline for most of the game. It's not like he was sitting on a card or on the bench. Yeah, and something I didn't notice in the joint practice on Wednesday as well, Joe Burrow behind the play on a few instances going through, snapping his shoulders as if he's throwing the ball, which I I didn't notice during the practice, but then saw saw some videos afterwards, something that he did then. And, and again, he's, he's taking dropbacks. He, he doesn't look particularly limited. But like you said, this is in line with a conservative approach. It's in line with a grade one calf strain, which is what we saw some reporting around when he first had the injury. It wasn't widely reported that it was a grade one calf strain. It was never confirmed by the team, of course. But those whispers and reports were out there. I think we talked about them a little bit. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was walking the locker room very quickly after this injury is an indicator that it wasn't a very serious injury. The fact that you mentioned bruising, people might be wondering why you're mentioning bruising. And this can be actually quite hard to detect. If you Google calf strain bruising, there are actually image results. I I looked uh, just out of idle curiosity. Um, You you can have bruising with severe or, or moderate muscle tears and that's what a strain is that's what a muscle strain is the fact that his calf looks good indicates again either that he's healed very well or that it was and or it was a low grade calf strain and so this is in line with that timeline that two to four week timeline he's about two weeks today as we record this on friday night and should he continue on that trajectory. You're right. It should be another couple of weeks that the Bengals are conservative, which they have been with this injury before he's back going full. But the Bengals' first regular season game is four weeks away. So mm-hmm. he could very well be back and ready to practice. And, and I think that's sort of my expectation right now, James, that he will be likely ready to go for practices well ahead of that week one game in Cleveland. I think in a perfect world, you would bring him back to practice following the preseason after the the final preseason game is played you can trot him out there and he can he can get two full weeks of practice one week where he's just getting back into it and then the next week is a game week because obviously he's throwing and man if he's throwing and running and doing those things imagine what we didn't see that that he's able to do imagine what he would do if he had a sleeve on you know i don't know i wonder why you know, the logic behind not wearing it. I think that's interesting. doesn't bother me if it doesn't bother the doctors and doesn't bother him. But uh, I think I talked uh, to somebody about the sleeve and the idea there was just to promote heat to prevent the muscle from, from cooling off. If, if you're Mm -hmm. taking a rest between, you know, if you come off the field, for example, right, you keep the muscle warmed up. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So that he's, going through a workout and that's it like it's going to be a pretty intense workout and then he's done so mm-hmm. that makes sense there yeah i think uh this is th- look the best news the bengals could have gotten today was that that he goes through this pre-game workout in front of everyone and and i really do i think part of it was all right enough speculation it's time to shut it down 
I, I think it was sending a message without talking, without tweeting, in a very Joe Burrow-like way. I'm, I'm going to put on a show, so to speak, and make sure that enough people see it to where everybody sees it and, and certainly hears what I'm saying. Certainly something that seems to be a lesson. This Bengals team, this Bengals leadership is pretty calculated. And I don't think that this is an exception to that. The other thing, the last thing that I'll mention about this before we move on to talk about the actual preseason game that occurred, and there are a <laughs> bunch of interesting things to talk about in this preseason game that occurred. He, he could like ease back into individual work before he's doing full team stuff, before he's facing 11-on-11s where he's rolling out on instinct and that sort of thing. We could see some mild easing back into practice. And, and you're right, maybe that's not for another two weeks, but it also wouldn't shock me if you see very limited participation a little bit earlier than that, and then maybe he goes to the rehab field, or or, or maybe they just keep him working with the trainers away from the, the full practice, and, and they continue to follow that approach. But he was out there on Wednesday, so... Steps in the right direction for sure, but preseason game one, the Bengals lost. <laughs> that doesn't matter. We're going to talk about some of the things that did matter in preseason game number one against the Green Bay Packers coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills, the right experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and potentially hire. LinkedIn Jobs is going to help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. And that's why you could post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Preseason game number one in the books, James, and let's focus on the things that mattered in this game. Most of that happened in the first three quarters or so, depending on which unit you're talking about, certainly some some notes on the quarterbacks throughout the game. Let's let's start with Jonah Williams didn't dress. Jackson Carmen started the game, mm. came back into the game, mm. was very bad when he mm. came back into the game, had a false start, gave up at least three, if not four pressures, including a couple that got Trevor Simeon hit pretty hard in that fourth quarter when he returned. Mm. I will say this in Jackson Carmen's defense wasn't quite as bad and, and was actually at times totally fine early in the game. So maybe Jackson Carmen just doesn't like Trevor Simeon as much as he likes Jake's Brown, Jake Browning. Oh. Uh, that's a joke. Uh, it, it wasn't good for Jackson Carmen in the fourth quarter. Uh, that's about yeah. as bad as I've seen him play in Cincinnati. You're going against practice squatters at that point. That certainly sure. is concerning, but the, the note there is that, Loud and clear, in case you were still skeptical, the competition, if it ever really was a true competition, is over. And I, I wrote this, and I, I kind of got – I'll say it. I kind of got made fun of for it, but, like, the battle is officially over, and that was implying that there was a battle. And I've tried to say it on here. I think you've tried to say it on here after months of the offseason, and, oh, my God, Jonah, give the keys to Jackson – that was like the track records couldn't be farther from from the what 
some people at least expected to happen. Now, with that said, I do think that Jackson Carmen, there's a chance that he could go win the swing tackle job still and be that guy where he's backing up both tackle spots. Naturally, when you have Jonah, he could play left tackle. So who knows exactly who does that? But the, the other part of this, if you're the Bengals, is do you look at Jackson and do you say, all right, this is why you keep Lyle Collins? Do, do you want one injury? Do you want to be one, one injury away from Jackson Carmen, the guy who got called for a false start in the fourth quarter when he had to go back in, the guy who got beat uh, in multiple pressures in the fourth quarter? And maybe that's just a concentration thing where he didn't realize mm-hmm. he was going to go back in and kind of mailed it in. And I get that mentally, but maybe they were trying to test him and see if he could deal with that and get back into the game and, and be able to process it and handle it against backups, like backups to backups. And, and so it's, it's not like they were doing something mean to him. I'm sure they didn't say you're done for the game and then put him back in. Um, and maybe it was because of an injury or something that we're not aware of, but yeah, the right tackle battle, it was, I guess, up for some discussion, but internally, I think as long as Jonah Williams did what everyone expected him to do, it was never a battle, to be quite clear. Could there have been a path for Carmen? Sure. But Jonah would have had to have been really bad, and he's been the opposite. He's been really good. So congrats to him on winning the starting right tackle job. And hopefully, starting Sunday and moving forward, there's no more rotation. Get Jonah as many reps as possible with the first team. And the only time he shouldn't be with the first team is if Jackson's giving him a rest or someone's giving him a rest because it's time to get Jonah Williams up and running and feeling as comfortable as possible at right tackle. I'm trying to remember now in the joint practice, certainly in the one-on-ones Jonah Williams was going against or was out there with the first team. Do you remember if they were rotating? You were watching more of the defense. Were they still rotating on Wednesday? Not, not when I saw they were not rotating. It was all Jonah. Yeah. I don't remember them rotating on Wednesday either. That could have certainly been an indicator as well. Other notes on the offensive line while we're on the topic. The starting, quote-unquote, starting offensive line in this game with the starters, the actual regular season starters resting. Deontay Smith started the game at left tackle, also played at right tackle in the second half. We saw Trey Hill start at center, but he and Max Sharping did both play center and right guard. And we also saw at left guard, or sorry, right guard Cody Ford. Uh, Trey Hill was playing left Mm -hmm. guard as in addition to Max Sharping. And those internal guys did have some rotations happening there as they continued to get Max Sharping some work at the center. To me, Max Sharping, Trey Hill, both look like they're in line to, to win backup jobs. Cody Ford, I think, has done potentially enough to be a backup on the interior. That, that'll that be interesting. But also interesting was Hakeem Adeniji didn't get into the game at all until the second half which was a little bit surprising to me. I thought he might have at least gotten some work with some of those guys that are expected to make the roster because the second half, it was mostly practice squad plus tackles. The interior guys that were playing in the second half to me seemed like they were primarily practice squad candidates. Obviously, that could change. Um, That second half offensive line had a tough time, though. The quarterbacks went first half Jake Browning, second half Trevor Simeon. I don't think there was a ton of separation between those guys, but Trevor Simeon certainly had it harder, I thought. I I agree. I think that one, two, I'm going to sleep on this, Jake, because it's it's pushing midnight, but man, oh, man, do 
we need to have some at least some some deep thoughts about this quarterback competition yeah. in this quarterback position behind Joe Burrow. Because I have no doubt in my mind that he, he calf strain and all was like a fifty thousand times better than the rest of the quarterback talent combined on the field, including Jordan Love. It was not the best night. We can dive into the quarterbacks a little bit more if we have to, but suffice no, it to we say don't. We don't. Suffice it to say that I don't I don't think that any guy really separated himself in the battle there. Hopefully Trevor Simeon gets a chance where he's not getting crushed every play. That that was a problem. Um, but let's talk about some positives. On the offensive side of the ball, since that's where we have been, the, the big standout is Andre Yosevash. Hmm. Big, big game for him in terms of targets. He had four catches. What was it? 50 yards, I think. Had, could have had two more defensive pass interference calls. Came a, a toe from a deep touchdown catch as well, although I'm not sure he possessed the ball through contact with the ground. So that might have gone to review either way. Um, but I thought impressive night for Yosevash, yeah. showcasing his ability to play at the NFL level, showing the promise that came with that six-round lottery ticket, and showing that maybe they've got a diamond here that can convert and, and become a contributor for this team. Yeah, I really liked what I saw from Yoshi. And he's, um, he's got all of the, the skills that you want, like the athleticism, the, the speed, certainly good mm -hmm. size. And uh, we, we were able to see it. I wish he was able to bring that one down. You're right. Very and, close. Uh, that, that, that would have been <clears throat> like T. Higgins, like like the, mm -hmm. the ability. And I'm thinking about some of T. Higgins when he was a rookie. And it's like, oh, well, if, if Yoshivas just continues down the, the, the path that he's down, well, he'll be able to make those plays. Not that he's going to be T, just to be clear. There's just similarities in, in what they can be as receivers, I think, and as players uh, on the outside. But I was impressed by him. I was impressed – by the running backs from a chase Brown made some big plays, uh, made a 21 yard catch, catching the ball. I liked, um, which obviously you do when it's a catch, geez, oh, Pete's, you can tell it's late. Um, Chris Evans. I liked his 33 yard run w was running up the gut a little bit better. I thought he did break one out. That was not ideal. I think that's yeah. his, that, that's like his, his instinct is telling to go to the outside and, and he doesn't necessarily need to, because I thought, and even in practice, I've noticed him. I think he's been a little bit better between the tackles. In his defense, it was Christian Trahan with the holding penalty and and maybe a more athletic tight end doesn't get caught there. But that has been the problem for him in preseason, right, is, is creating or inviting holding penalties by going somewhere where he's really not supposed to go. And when defensive linemen or, or engaged defensive players try to break away from that block to where Chris Evans is bounced to run, they, they end up in a compromised position. But... I, I thought it was a mixed bag for the running backs. There were certainly some big plays for both of them. Zach Taylor made sure to highlight Chase Brown's ability to convert a couple of third and shorts, a couple of short yardage yeah. situations as well. Uh, but from a pass blocking perspective, I had both guys missing at least one, if not two assignments uh, in, in a pass blocking responsibility perspective. Chase Brown was lucky to not get called up for, for holding on another one. And so I think needs to be a little bit more there. Uh, from those wow. guys, but they both had explosive plays. And, and so there was certainly some positives to go along with the areas where there needs to be a little bit more development. I have one more note on the offense, James, actually two more notes on the offense before we talk 
about some of the secondary players that really stood out in this game because the young secondary really came to play. And a couple defensive linemen I want to talk about as well. So let's finish on the offense here, get to the defense as well, coming up next. Jake Lisko wants to talk about offense. I'll tell you what, let me let me think about this a little bit more, but there might be some quarterbacks and running backs that are bigger names that I mentioned in podcasts coming up if I feel the same way I do right now. But let's get to some other thoughts on the offense. So Tanner Hudson. Concussion. Oh, balling. He was balling. Concussion unlucky. Hopefully he has a chance to recover from that and, and get back out there. He tried to hurdle a, a Packers defender, ended up getting flipped, landed pretty hard on his head. And then a Packers player also landed in his head and neck area. So a bit of a double whammy there. Hopefully he's okay, but he was productive. He caught the ball well. He managed to get upfield on that play. Was certainly the most productive tight end in this game for the Bengals, a quarterback. I think, he, yeah, he was only in the game with Browning. Browning looked very comfortable throwing in the ball. And yes. uh, Charlie Jones, what did you think? He's dealing with apparently a labrum reportedly in that shoulder playing through it what were your initial thoughts there yeah i think he didn't look super comfortable and uh mm-hmm. the shoulder the shoulder certainly bothering him i, I was watching him just post game and i'm not going to get into too much de- too many details because i don't want to do that to him mm-hmm. but um no I, his shoulders bothered him still so th- that's part of it the other part of it is you hope he's strong enough. I think that would be the other thing. And so is it shoulder? Is it just NFL play strength? That that would be the concern. But because he has the shoulder, I default to the shoulder. Yeah. Didn't look terribly comfortable, but hard to know exactly why. Did have some opportunities uh, in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't until late in the game that he actually got his first target. Certainly a heavy game for Yosef Vash. by comparison. Anything else you wanted to hit on the offensive side of the ball, James, here before we transition to... Some of the some of the standouts on defense, they gave up a lot of points, but there's still a lot of good on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I the, the standout is let's get to the playmaker of the day, the player of the day, Tyson Anderson. Got the guy who'd get the game ball, my guy Tyson. Woo! Woo! I'm excited for him. Uh, I'm excited for him because in if those that don't know, 43 yard pick six mm-hmm. at the second interception. Taking it away re- from my guy Tucker Craft, by the way. Yeah, work, he worked really, really hard last year and had the health, you know, where he got injured early, couldn't come back, was kind of stuck because of the just the way that room was, that safety room was, even when he was healthy. And so now he's ready to go, and uh, and he's showing it, and I love it. I love it for him because I know he put in the work, and the thing that was just made my like tells you all you need to know about Tyson Anderson. So doesn't play at all as a rookie can't practice for most of his rookie year. All of those things. This is his first preseason game since last preseason. And he goes out there and does that. And the last thing, or one of the last things he says to me when I'm talking to him one-on-one, he said, if I don't do it next week, it doesn't matter. It was that simple. An hour removed from it. It's not like he's popping champagne or like going to celebrate, you know, and he's, you know, 23, 24 years old, and now he's like, hey, if I don't do it next week, this week doesn't matter. And that that mindset, I just – I think it's easy to, to root for a kid like that, but I also think he's going to be successful and it's easy to bet on someone like that because of that mindset, and clearly he's put in the work. 
He's not wrong though. The safety room is very competitive. We're talking about five safeties if if they keep Tyson Anderson and Michael Thomas, who played sparingly in this game on special teams. I don't recall seeing him on on defense. In fact, it took a little bit of time for the rookies to get in on the offensive side of the ball in general. We did see Jordan Battle, who had a pass breakup of his own, made a special teams tackle. Was the safeties a, look great? A good tackler. We saw Dax Hill make a incredible play he he could have even had an interception there perhaps but knocked down a deep ball intended for christian watson when uh dj turner slipped on the play and and christian watson got behind him dax hill gets over there from a post post safety position this is middle of the field close and and gets all the way over to the sideline to break up a pass intended for the very very fast christian watson Really big highlight play, showcasing fantastic range for Dax Hill there. He also lined up all over the place. We saw Dax in the box. We saw Dax in split safeties. We saw Dax as a, as a post safety. So, again, speaking to his versatility, Nick Scott did not play in this game. We talked about Tyson Anderson. The, the, those three safeties all had really, really good plays in this game. And DJ Turner on fourth down showed off his comfort with the ball in the air when he's in mm-hmm. phase with a wide receiver, got his head around to bat down a pass, showing off those ball skills. That is the kind of flash that you want to see from DJ Turner. No doubt. That's what we've seen in practice. It translated. I know some were concerned a bit when he slipped or fell or whatever the case was on that Watson deep ball that, that Hill was on. And, uh, you know what's wild is the secondary, they were like, man, we left some plays out there. Like Dax is mad at himself because he didn't realize he should have picked it. Like yeah. in his head, he should have picked it. Yeah. Jordan Battle, same thing. He's like, I should have, I knew it was coming. And it, he he basically said, oh, we were running, we, you'll like this. And I watched the video that I post, Jake, because you'll really enjoy it. But it was, they were in quarters coverage. And he was like, All right, in, in practice, they ran the corner, but I thought they were going to run the seam, and they got me in practice. But they ran the seam in the game, and he read it perfectly, so he was ready for it. And, man, I, I thought he should have picked it, too, in real time. And he said it was a little bit of he didn't get both hands out there, and he was just a tad late. Mm-hmm. But um, he was kicking himself, too. But I love that all these guys made plays. These are all young guys that are going to be part – of this room, probably all either starting or playing significant time and being a significant contributor in one form or another. So for all of them to get off to that type of start at some point in their career, I'm saying. Um, so for them to get off to that type of start, I think was big. Yeah, it was a nice preseason debut for those guys. It wasn't perfect, obviously. There were plays like Sidney Jones and Jordan Battle had words after a play where Christian Watson converted a third down and got to an out route. And it, it seemed like maybe Jordan Battle should have gotten pushed out further to the sideline on that play. Might have even been inverted cover two. Not sure. Uh, I haven't seen the tape, obviously, on that one. But they were having a conversation after that one. Speaking of Sidney Jones, was on the wrong side of a couple of highlights where he was there at the catch point, tried to play the ball through the hands, and just a couple of highlight catches for Packer receivers. It wasn't yeah. anything that Sidney Jones did terribly wrong. Just got out muscled and, and ended up on the wrong side of a couple of plays there. Um, the touchdown just, and the, the third down conversion. Yeah, Dobbs yeah. had a touchdown, nine-yarder. Yep. And just to empty my notebook here, DJ Ivy and Alan George, not perfect in coverage. Certainly both of them gave up catches, but tackled really well, DJ Ivy in particular. Um, and then J2 Fele, incredible game. 
throughout the yeah. Dominique Davis, I also want to shout out, wasn't as consistent. JT Fele was making plays left and right, but Maybe Dominique was. Davis was was instrumental in Tyson Anderson getting that pick six because he won immediately and enforced that throw out quickly. And uh, as Tyson Anderson said in the locker room after the game, you got to give credit to the pressure sometimes for not giving the quarterback time to make accurate reads. So uh, I think that's everything I've got. Anything you wanted to add, James? Oh, yeah. My guy's still money. For those yeah. wondering about Money Mac, Money Mac is, is on that the 51 attack. yarder was good from how long, James? 79. I he checked. crushed it. He crushed it. 79. Split it to but right down the middle. Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow is back. Money Mac on the attack. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good. My guy Tyson, Dax showing up. It's good. It's a good feeling. And by the way, just I talked to Battle, and um, he was so excited. Jordan Battle was more excited than Tyson Anderson. Like, way more. Tyson was, like, composed and, like, Really quiet, like I yeah, I gotta do it next week. Jordan Battle's like grinning and just so excited. It was his NFL debut. I get it. It's just it was awesome. It was awesome to see. Yeah, good stuff. I'll say that overall, we haven't talked about Miles Murphy. And we do need to talk about Miles Murphy. Um, the real quick summary is I thought his athleticism showed up on a couple of plays. He did not have a tremendous amount of success. There's more to that conversation. Uh the first round rookie. Kind of what I expected, though. We can have a bigger conversation about that when we've had some time to digest things. But my big takeaway was a lot of the guys that played in this game, they're going to be relied upon in rotational roles or as contributors this year. I thought for the most part, they showed up. The guys that I was already projecting to make the roster, I thought that they showed something. And, you know, obviously this is pending tape review and all these things. And, you know, we'll have to I'll, – I'll personally have to watch the offensive line again. And like I said, Carmen was better in the first half than the second half. But um, th- there's certainly a lot of encouraging signs in a lopsided preseason loss because, to me, a lot of the guys, like I said, that I think are going to be parts of this team in 2023 all showed things that you're looking for in a preseason game. That being said, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Preseason game one in the books. The Bengals are back at practice on Sunday. We'll have an episode for you after that practice. And until then, Bengals fans, thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one.